Sarah Marsh is a consultant in anesthesia and intensive care medicine in Harrogate, where she is also the clinical lead for organ donation and the faculty tutor for intensive care medicine. She is actively involved in the Faculty of Intensive Care Medicine, where she is the deputy chair for both the Women in Intensive Care Medicine and Education subcommittees. She was responsible for setting up the first national exam course for the Fellowship of the Faculty of Intensive Care Medicine and has played a pivotal role in the development of the EICM learning resources. Sarah is also a devoted mother and wife with three boys under the age of seven, and today she talks to us about how she remains resilient whilst balancing a busy day at work with the demands of home life. It's a story which I'm sure will resonate with many listeners. Inherently, I'm quite a resilient person, and I think certainly personality does feed into your ability to be resilient. And so I think I do have a a personality that does thrive under pressure and can cope with adversity and come out the other side. But there's definitely times when even that has been eroded by difficult situations. And it tends for me to be when I'm sort of getting it on all fronts. So a recent example was a few weeks ago, I was in, in charge of the unit Um, We'd had a really busy day. We were over capacity. We had to transfer people out to different hospitals for for non-clinical reasons because we had nowhere to put people and people just kept coming in. It was exacerbated then by a patient that had had a devastating brain injury in the ED and we had to expedite uh, the question of of organ donation um, very quickly and, and approach that in a situation that we perhaps might not otherwise had done and knowing that we were then going to go over capacity for for that issue and this was about six o'clock in the evening and then patients just kept coming they just kept coming there was patients in theatre where there had been complications that needed to come we had two further level three admissions that were too sick to transfer and that had come into the ED so the whole night sounds really stressful it it, it was but then in another way you know we're trained to to do the clinical work so you know, it's no problem for me to come in and see somebody with a severe pneumonia that needs to be ventilated. I can fix that. So what I can't fix, and then that leads into sort of the lack of control, is the number of beds we have, the number of beds that are in the region, and, and how you then go on to manage your, um, not only your bed base, but your staff base to ensure, first and foremost, that you have patient safety and that you're doing the right thing by the patients. Mm-hmm. So that then, for me, becomes the more stressful part. So the medical bit is the easy bit, but it, it's the organisational factors which then become I think more stressful and and, and more of an issue to sort so this continued to go on throughout the night so I was in for full 24 hours the team that I was working with were absolutely fantastic the matron stayed with me for the full 24 hours we had some of our ODPs from theatre that took on the role of looking after the level one patients and everybody really pulled together the nurses were fantastic and we made what could have been a very difficult situation into one that was both safe and effective and we managed it until the morning. But then the other side of the work-life balance then comes into play. So by the time I then was away from the hospital, I was then late getting home for my husband to go to work. So he was ringing, where are you? I need to go to work. And I was like, I know, I'm still at work. And I had to get back because I have three young children under six. They needed to go to school and nursery, etc. So I had to dash back, take over from him. He went off to work. 
and then I had to start the day with them. So I was sort of physically exhausted and my brain was fairly frazzled after having to manage a whole myriad of things overnight. And then had to start the process of getting them dressed, getting them breakfast, getting them to nursery, going off to school, etc. Yeah, and, so it's a situation of, of ju- juggling yeah, exactly. balls, isn't it? And like to it. switch off that medical side and then to go home and be a parent across some caring responsibilities. Yeah. Especially and when your, um, your car sort of empty. Absolutely, like yeah. So the tank was empty. Before, yeah. I was exhausted. Um, yeah. But then had to, you know, pull my socks up and carry on. And then sort of switching from that to then you know, switching very quickly back into a home life and, and sorting that all out. And knowing then that I was then on call the following day, back at work, Friday through to Monday morning. So having to make sure I managed to get some sleep because I had to then prepare for the next mountain. So Sarah, if I could just take for a moment back to that example that you explained of um, being in a situation mm-hmm. where you had things coming at you from multiple angles and very stressful things as well. How did you feel in that moment? So I think at that time, I'm very much just get my head down and plough through things. And it's only sort of when I'm through it that I can look back and reflect on how difficult that situation was. But at the time, I was like, well, I have a job to do. This is what we're going to do. And we're just going to sort of go ahead and keep going. But it was only sort of on reflection and actually not until the end of the following weekend on call that I then had a chance to pause, regroup, and look at sort of the adversities that have been put in front of us and how I'd managed to get through all of that. And then had to be very cognizant that, you know, my tank was empty. And how am I going to refuel that when, you know, I've still got young children to look after, I had to be back at work, I've still got calls to do, you know, how I was going to go to then catch up to make sure that I got my resilience levels back to where they needed to be. I think that's probably what makes us the people that are able to do the job and that you just get on with it, yeah. don't you? And it's mm-hmm. about... You're faced with a number of things mm-hmm. and you just have to get on with it. Yeah. It's interesting how it's on later that you kind of feel the true effect of that situation mm-hmm. and how you feel. And, mm-hmm. and it's about the reflection of that point. Yes. So how do you do it? How do you reflect? Who do you reflect with? And is there people who you can talk to, you can't talk to? Well, I am so lucky that I work with a fantastic team of intensivists at work as well as the nursing staff. And... I think we're all pretty close and we do a lot of chatting about this sort of stuff in the coffee room or in offices. If we're in theatre, we're geographically very close to the intensive care unit, so intensivists will often gravitate back towards the intensive care unit, come and see the patients. And we all do talk about things about what would you have done and how has this worked and I did this and I'm not sure if that was the right thing to do. And for me, it really helps to reduce some of that moral burden about decision making and some of the reflection that goes on. Because certainly for me, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved. And I think we're very good at doing that um, in, in the intensive care unit that I work at. And for me personally, without that, I would be very lonely and I am sure not as resilient by any means as, as, as I am. And so it's thanks to the team that I work with that can sort of facilitate uh, for me the ability to, to carry on and function at the, the level that, that I do. How about um, people outside of your work? Is there anyone else that um, you, know, you find you can talk to about difficult situations? Just kind of to de-stress really. Um, 
it's a tricky one. So my husband's on medical, so he was, always looks a little bit wide-eyed at me when I'm telling him these tales. <laughs> <Very difficult. laughs> so I'm like, oh, too much overshared. Okay, right then. Um, and uh, I have some very good friends from medical school, but they're all GPs. So again, when I tell them these stories of, of, of what's happened and what I've had to do, they find it really difficult to understand and to... You know, if we talk about doing an on-call, for example, they'll say, I'm on-call tonight and it's till 7 p.m. I'm like, yeah. oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so it's different, but they have different stresses. And uh, and so, I guess it, it kind of shows that thing that you need good colleagues, don't you? You do, because, team because... I think you've just hit the nail on the head there, really, because actually thinking, I haven't thought about that question before, but for me, outside of work, there isn't really anybody for me to share things with that really understands. But I don't feel I need to because I get that at work. And, yeah. you know, I the, the people that I work with, I'm fortunate enough to to call really good friends. So actually, I, I don't need that because I have that. And I can only imagine if you didn't have that, it would be very lonely. And I, I don't I don't know how you'd be able to get through it. Going back to that day on call again, just thinking about tips for people to think about, well, if I was in that situation, what did Sarah do? How did she cope? How did she manage with that? What sort of <laughs> things made her survive to the end of the day and come back looking refreshed the next day? You have to look after yourself. And that means that you need to eat and you need to make sure that you can sleep. And I think if you have uh, enough in your sleep bank and you've managed to eat, I think you can pretty much manage to get up and carry on. So. When it's busy like that, it can be very easy to miss meals, very easy to stop drinking, very easy to become short and frazzled because you are a bit tired. And I know that when I'm becoming a bit overloaded, I just need to go off for 10 minutes, go and sit down in the peace and quiet, regroup, have something to drink, something to eat, and then go on to carry on facing whatever is out there. It's a really important point, isn't it? Because I guess a lot of our careers and our jobs is about doing things for other people. It is. And, and often we forget to think about ourselves, don't we, and about making sure yeah. that we ourselves yeah. are strong mm-hmm. and we are able to be able to help other people. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, really good point that, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Have you learned anything for yourself about those sort of situations? How has it affected you as a person? I think... For me, and this is a very personal example, and certainly isn't something that it's not a one size fits all. But I think for me, having having a busy home life now with with three small boys under six, you know, when I get home, all those worries and concerns of a very busy day, being a doctor, you know, it's physically, it's emotional, emotionally demanding. You know, you're having sort of very um, very in depth conversations with with lots of people on lots of different levels all day long. And, you know, when I go home, I'm, I, I feel sort of physically and emotionally depleted. But then I get home and actually I have to switch off and I have to carry on with it, with a different role completely. And having the boys at home, it's really sort of made me think, actually, you know, you can't sweat the small stuff because, you know, if you were getting upset about every box of Cheerios that was spilt on the floor and, you know, you'd really struggle. and I think in a way I've sort of translated some of that into my work life in that for me to continue to function at the level that I do and to continue to thrive in these situations, then some of what would previously have bothered me, I have to let go. And it's important that we give ourselves permission to do that and permission to say, 
that you can't do everything at 110 miles an hour or you know you can't give everything 110 percent sometimes you have to take your foot off the gas and accept that you know good enough is good enough not that you have to reduce your levels of, of what you might expect from yourself but just to give yourself a break sometimes because if you don't you can't continue like that so I think for me, definitely sort of that having having a different focus in my life other than work has given me the ability to just give myself permission to not be as perfect as I might have wanted to be because that's unachievable. And the only, only thing that's going to happen from that is going to be disappointment on my end. And actually, I'm doing okay. And that's all right. Yeah, so, you're doing really yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just giving yourself permission to, to be happy and to, you know, yeah. doing a good job. Well done. I guess, I guess it's um, it's a little bit about how you manage your reserves, isn't it? Mm. And, and realizing that you can't be great at everything. Nope. Uh, nope. And, and I guess in some ways, and you are going to drop a few balls. Yeah, and and it's choosing you know, which fires to fight. It is. It is because you can't do everything, and you can only spread yourself so thinly. So it's about saying yes to the right things and politely declining the others, and uh, but making sure that you're that you as a person are okay. Because if you don't function, then a lot of things around you will then begin to crumble. So it's very important that you've got to keep yourself well 